We all got 2020'd. But I'm not playing the victim card, and I don't want you to either. We're going to finish the year with some practical, actionable episodes to help you get momentum that will take you into a new life now. Don't wait until January. Now is the time to get in the fight. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Corey Carlson. I've known Corey Carlson for years, and he's experienced a level of success in the corporate world that most people they only dream about. For 20 years, he worked in the corporate world with his last three years serving as the Presidente of Sales for a National Contractor. But while he was winning in the marketplace, he says he was actually losing at home. After coming clean with an affair and strained relationships with his three children, Corey was over it. He didn't want to win the corporate game at the expense of those who he loved. His first major step in the right direction was hiring an executive coach. He describes the experience as life-changing, transforming him into a better husband, father, and leader. In the spring of 2016, he left behind his corporate job to become a full-time executive coach himself. And today, he's here to coach us. He's got an inspirational book. I wrote a a uh, oh, what's it called? A uh, endorsement for called "Win at Home First: An Inspirational Guide to Work-Life Balance." Forbes magazine listed as one of the seven books everyone on your team should read, and it was an Amazon number one new release in three different categories. He has got a lot to teach us. He's going to help us out today. Corey Carlson, welcome to the Aggressive Life. Well, thank you, Brian, for having me. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. It's my honor. You know, you mentioned the affair. Do you just kind of wear that in your sleeve that you had an affair? Not all the time. And when I feel it's applicable at the right time, obviously, he was using the intro here, which is, which is completely fine. But it's not something I lead with. No. But if I feel in that moment that it can, if I can just get the sense that someone's got some brokenness and if I can use it to help someone maybe pay more attention or think about there's ways to restore whatever's broken in yeah. their life. That I, I mean, yeah, I, I will use it for sure. It is a thing that has touched more families and more couples that we just don't talk about. I, I when, so when I have a guest who's who's un, had that unfortunate situation in their family, I just think it's great because I tell, I promise you there is a good percentage of people who are dealing with it that just don't know who to talk to. So tell us about just just, just get on your stump speech, Corey. Winning home first. Go go ahead. Give us you don't have to give us a thesis of the book, but just. Give us a sermon here for a couple minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So Win Home First was not a, a tagline I really had heard before. I started to do the executive coaching, and I have clients on the phone, and they'd hired me to help with their corporate culture or vision and values for the organization. How do we improve the performance of our team? And when I get one-on-one with these clients, what would end up happening is I start to ask questions, how was your weekend? Or, you know, what else is going on, you know, in your family? And with some different clients, they didn't have much good stories to share because maybe they weren't around or you could see I was unearthing something they didn't necessarily want to talk about. I would press a little further. And then so finally what I kept finding myself saying is, hey, we're going to work on building the culture for your organization. We're going to work on identifying the, the key strategies to go after. But as the leader goes, so goes the company. So if we're going to do things well with the, the company, we got to make sure you're doing okay. So is it okay if we talk about your personal life? Because we have to win at home first in order to have success in the workplace. That's sustainable. 
So let's even talk about that. Some people would even disagree with that. They'd say, what, Corey, what are you talking about? There's, there's all kinds of people who have, you know, had an impact on the world and done all stuff and they haven't won at home first. Steve Jobs was a loser at home. I mean, I just go on down on the line, just, just a bunch of folks. So why do you think you got to win, win at home first? Yeah. You know, I think on the surface, it looks like they are winning. Uh, you know, they have the money, they have the titles, whatever it could be. But when you get deep down, they'll share with you some of their, almost like, I wish I would have had the family. I wish someone would engage with me. Like we've all watched the Michael Jordan, you know, series yes. that they did. Man, when towards a few of those scenes, he would start to tear up about the brokenness in areas of his life. But yet, he had the titles, he had everything. Yes, there are people who have been successful on the, in the work world, but man, at home, they just didn't have it. And at times, that can add up and not be a life worth living. Do you think everybody wants a winning team at home? Or do you think, how many people do you think there are that are just able to s- siphon that off or divide that off in their life and say, no, I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me. Do you think it bothers everybody who is not winning at home? No. I think some people don't care. I think some people out there, unfortunately, they view the the spouse as someone that's a caretaker for the kids and let's just get our kids up. I'm out there to build a name, a legacy for our last name, and we're going to have money and these are the things. And it's unfortunate. And I, I'm not going to say I was that far extreme, but I definitely was about building wealth and a, you know, a job title and having those pieces, but it wasn't giving me life that I wanted. So that's kind of was a wake up call for me. And I've seen that be for other people. I told my kids, you know, years ago, they finally all believe me. They're they're all adults. They believe me. I would say to them, you know, you're you're really into your friends. You think that they're, they're all that you're trying to ignore the family. You don't want to be with us because your friends, you, everything, they're going to go, they're going to be gone. You're never going to talk with them again, but us, your family, were the only ones who were going to be with you forever. And they were always kind of upset when I would say that when they were 14. Like, no, no, it's not true, Dad. We're going to be... Now they'll realize, yeah, family family is like the only relationships you can guarantee, well, pretty much guarantee, are going to be with you forever. Why is that? Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting topic, especially right now with quarantine, because we've talked about that a lot of our house because our we have three kids. So I have an 8-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 16-year-old. Well, their times with friends has gone significantly down because they couldn't be with anybody. So we would use that as a way of conversation of, hey, we're family. We're, we got to stick through this, you know, through and through. And it can't be all about your friends and where you're going and what you're doing because during quarantine, that all got stripped away. So it was us at the family dinner table and without the activities. So we were reinforcing how important the family was because we're going to be there through thick and thin. Your friends will come and go, whether it's due to quarantine or when college comes, everyone goes different directions. You know, Holly and I talk about our friends that we would have in high school and then college, and then we, we no longer talk to all of them anymore. Yes. But yet, it's our family that we still get together. I still can't, you know, I look forward to seeing my parents. I look forward to seeing my siblings. And so there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, it's interesting for the listeners of this podcast, there's there's going to be a percentage that's saying, man, this has hit me right where I am. It's exactly what I need to hear. And there's going to be a percentage, actually, they've already tuned out already. They're, they're done because... They're not interested in family. You know, we're, we're not creating families like we used to. Shoot, we're not even having sex like we used to. We're having sex with machines. We're, we're not dating people. We're pushing it off as far, as far as possible. I'm concerned. I'm concerned about our, our lack of interest in family. Why do you think that is? I think because family's hard. I mean, it is hard. The, 
you know, Holly and I, I mean, this has been our, you know, went home first. We've been talking about this a lot in our own house. But yeah, we can have tension. She's in a bad mood or I'm in a bad mood. And there's just some days it's just like, I just want to check out. Forget this. I'm going to go to work. At least I can go to work and I, I know I can win. That'll be worth it. Or if the kids become annoying and they're pushing back and being disobedient, it's like, man, forget it. Screw this. I'm going to go do my own thing. And that obviously is, I think, partly why people are kind of hitting the uh, eject button when it comes to family, because it is hard, but it's worth doing because it is hard. Well, and many of us have come from a very painful family situation, and we just don't have any interest in, in replicating that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to go family first, or if I'm going to win at home first, what are the things that somebody does who wants to win at home first versus work first or fitness first or hobby first? Mm-hmm. I think first is just time management to be intentional with each of those family members. So when I talk to friends, clients, just people passing, it's amazing. You say, when was the last time you're on a date with your spouse? And they're like, um, let me see. And they have to actually think about it. And so for Holly and I, it's being intentional and going on dates. And for my kids, it is a one-on-one time with each of the kids. Maybe it's going for a bike ride, depending on their age, going to get ice cream, going to get donuts, doing something that they like to do to be present. I say often where kids and our family members, they want our presence over our provision. Like they want us just there. They don't care how much money we're making, mm-hmm. but just that we're there. So, I mean, those early wins to get, if you want to be with your family, is just spending time with them. You mean actually enjoy being around your family, like talking to them. Wow. Yeah. Not, not only disciplining Talking and laughing with them. Who does that anymore? Yeah, yeah. we also <laughs> discipline as well. <laughs> so when I think about winning at home first, what I often think about is, is somebody who doesn't work a full-time job, who doesn't give their employer their all, who phones it in at work. I'm off. I'm, I'm sorry that I think that. I'm sorry that impression comes to my mind. But what does the work schedule look like for somebody who wants to win at home first? I mean, can you work, can you work nine to five or what are the, what are the hours that you would expect somebody to be working in today's economy? Yeah. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, we're made to work and we need to be working. And so it's not a necessary balance because, it, you know, our work weeks are 40, 50, 60 hours a week, depending on the week. We, there's no way we can get 40, 50, 60 hours a week with our family. There's just not enough hours in the day. Right. So, yes, I, I've got to work Monday through Friday, and you know some days it's going to be at 7.30 to 5.30. It just kind of depends. But when I'm home, I need to be home. I need to be going on those dates, playing you know, with my kids, seeing my buddies. I mean, part of winning at home first is also, do I have friends? And, and so it's spending that time. So that is a big, big piece. This is not a, a don't, you know... <laughs> work four hours a week, that is not win at home first at all. It is go work, lead by example, make an impact, do all things to the glory of God through your work, and then be intentional with the other time. So win at home first is not, hey, just go work and then sit on the couch. Right, and the amount of time that we waste when we are, we are at home, I, I'm awful at it. I'm not gonna preach against it because I'm a major, major offender but the number of times I look at my phone and I text and I do whatever when I'm you know, with my family is embarrassing to me. It's just embarrassing. I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm zoning out. And every time I do that, I'm telling them, oh, I got something else here that's more important and I'm actually losing with them. Mm-hmm. And I've trained them to do the same thing, yep. at least my kids. 
Oh, absolutely. And I'm the same way. I mean, even though I've written this book, I, there's our house isn't perfect. Wait a minute. <laughs> you're saying you wrote a book and you're still not perfect. That's right. That's right. I thought there was some committee that had to approve somebody to write a book that, okay, you actually do this 24-7. Yeah, I, sn- I snuck through. Right. I, I got it by. No, but absolutely. And, you know, I, I get so frustrated when my kids are on their phone and when I'm trying to talk to them. But at the same time, it's a taste of my own medicine yeah. because I know when they're coming to tell me something or tell me about the gymnastics practice they just had and I'm nodding my head as I'm texting to somebody else. I mean, how hurtful is that? Right. And so I experience the same thing when they're playing their games and ignoring me. So give us some other things that that we would do to win at home first. So this is one of them. Be fully present when you are at home. What other things would be one-offs? The date nights, which we talked about, going on dates, um, being you know present, putting the phone. I tell some people, put the phone in like a cabinet. I mean, just get it away if that will help you at all. For me, we sleep on the second floor. My phone is on the first floor. When I go upstairs, I, I, I have to keep it there. Otherwise, I'll be on it as well, especially as a business owner. It's nonstop. There's always another email I can send. There's always another post I could try to make on social media. It's like nonstop, but it's knowing, hey, I, I got to know when to stop. So those are some big ones. I think... We all have some kids that are easier to spend time with because they like doing what we do, and that's easy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, but then there's others that's a little more difficult. It's more of a stretch. And so for those that are listening, if you fall in that, I would encourage you just to spend that 30 minutes, that hour, doing something that kid wants. Don't always bring them to your adventure. There is some of that because we want to share what we love with our kids, but it's also learn from them. And so just spending that time with them mm-hmm. can be super helpful. How about things you do to have fun at home? Because that's one of the things I believe in. I, I believe that we're, we just don't prioritize fun at home. There's an old saying that families that pray together stay together. Uh, maybe, maybe. But I also know that families that play together stay together. Mm-hmm. I feel like we just look at our families too often as a, as a necessity or something I have to always have as a teaching lab or something like that. Do you have any ideas for us how to how to remember how to have fun with our spouse or our family? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I fall in that trap a lot of times. It's just, hey, I want to coach you kids. <laughs> I want to coach you. <laughs> right. I can get in trouble for that a lot. Oh, absolutely fun. We, we'll even talk about that midweek. Hey, what do we want to do this weekend that'd be fun? What, what are some fun things? And it, it very well could just be a bike ride to go to a donut shop. It could be a hike. It could be um, going to a nearby park. And we've, I mean, with quarantine, we've done a lot of fun going to different places and seeing different state parks or just um, just cool parks in the area. So we're trying to have fun doing that. But it's really just inviting the kids of what would be fun? What would you like to do? And so just having those conversations at home as opposed to, you know, weekend comes and we have no plans, no idea, and it skips on by. This stuff that you've chosen to do is... Really, actually, an aggressive move, Corey. You're, you're going from the corporate world where you have success and things are going really, really well to now executive coaching. Man, that's that seems like a big jump. That seems like an uncertain jump. That seems like you're going into a into shark infested waters where there is a there's a lot of boats trying to trying to make a living in those in those waters. Yes, no. How's it been going for you? Absolutely. It feels like there's a ton of coaches right now. Absolutely. You know, this has been a, has been a journey and, and really we're almost about four years to the week that I was terminated from that job. 
What's interesting is I, leading up to that for the last year before I was terminated, it was, I want to launch a coaching business. I want to basically do, as I was coached, I want to go do that for other leaders. And I'd been doing that with the team that reported to me. I'm about 30 salespeople throughout the country who were reporting to me. And I was seeing the change in their own lives, them becoming better spouses, better parents. But, but yet our bottom line was also improving. I was like, I want to do this for other people. So I started to do it. But the reality is I didn't have the guts. I, I didn't realize how much my identity was tied into corporate America, how much of the comfort of the big salary that I had. And even though God was trying to work in my heart, it's, uh, it's interesting on, again, August 14th, Crossroads, this was four years ago, did a week-long fast and prayer of something that you know, we were wanting to do and get clarity. You may not remember that. Obviously, you've done a lot of things here. But that Sunday night, my wife and I prayed for, we want a clarity on this corporate move versus coaching. That next morning, I called into the office, and that's when I got terminated. And they're like, you seem okay, Corey. I'm like, yeah, I was just praying for clarity on my next steps, and this is it. So I basically decided to run and hustle to build this practice. And so for the last four years, it has been tons of ups and downs, and, and, but sticking through it. So why'd they terminate you? Yeah, so I worked for a company that was owned by a private equity group. And when they went to go sell it, we, we had a bid. And they had their 45-day due diligence period. And about the 41st day, it got quiet. Like, what's going on? And sure enough, they, they had a couple of things that they didn't like. Well, when, that's called a retrade when no one wants, you know, buy you. So now we called number two and number three. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll buy you at half the cost. So what happened was we couldn't go to market anymore, and then we started scaling back. And so they started getting rid of the Northwest and other areas we were not as profitable. Well, if you start shrinking your sales team, pretty soon you don't need a president of sales. And that was me. And it was, it was kind of weird because I'd always been an achiever and going for more, and it's the accomplishments. Like those were my, unfortunately, my temptations was about achievement, approval of others. But I had this piece to stay and ride it out because on the side, I was building that coaching business and God was softening not only my heart, but my wife's heart for what was going to be a significant change. And is it going well for you? Is paying the bills? Yeah, it, it, it's, yes, it's been amazing. 2020 has been a very crazy ride. 2020 sucks. That's 2020 why. 2020 does 2020 suck. sucks. Right. Yeah. It utterly sucks. <laughs> I mean, S-U-C-K-S, insert another letter for S if you want. It's awful. <laughs> it's very true. And so going into 2020, my the business had grown up to uh, 60% revenue was from coaching, 40% was speaking. So when quarantine happened, boom, there goes 40%. So March, April this year was my lowest income in a long, long time. Believe it or not, and I had some cool, fun spiritual growth during this time, but now where I'm at, August will be my highest revenue month ever. Wow. And so I'm very grateful to God and everything's happening, but it's also a sign of what's happening out there is leaders need help. Leaders feel alone and they're weathering the storm. So it's, you talk a lot about that. The lone wolf gets taken out and I, there's some leaders that are rising to the top saying, I need help. I need help. My marriage is getting exposed during this time. Maybe my brokenness with my kids. And I, I'll talk a lot with clients about, profit of a business can hide the toxicity of that company. Yeah. But I personally believe our busy schedules hid the brokenness of ourselves. Yeah, I think that's why I was really intrigued to to have this conversation now because I've known you for a while and and I knew about your book for a while, but I think I was really just prompted to, to make this happen today because the COVID land is 
it, it's revealed the cracks in all of our lives. You know, we can't, we can't run and hide from our spouse when you've got a problem that you're dealing with and then you're going to check out tomorrow for 10 hours and then you come back. Mm. I mean, it just, okay, we just patch that up. We just ignore it a little bit and then it'll pop up again. You can, you can run and hide when you're in our normal day-to-day lives. And then even out of that, that we're in a situation that nobody ever has been in. Like this idea of being in the same house with your spouse every day, all day, that it has never happened. Now someone said, no, what are you talking about, Brian? I mean, you know, it was before corporate America happened, guys were farming and they were, yeah, that, that's right. That's right. They're farming. But they were out in the fields. Mm-hmm. They weren't staring at a computer and a, and a door away was their wife just getting on each other's nerves. I just think that not only is, are we seeing the cracks in, in, our, in our families, we're actually creating cracks because we're in a situation that is incredibly foreign that no one we know has ever been in before. Your response to that? I absolutely agree. And I've had this conversation about going to the steel mill or, or the farm. They're gone. Like yes. We're in the house, and there's a tension where if you're working and you hear the, cr- the, the kids crying, it's like, what do I do? Do I go up? Do I help? Or do I work? I've got to work. I'm on a Zoom call. What do I do? And then if you don't do anything, your spouse may be saying, why didn't you come up? You were right here. I'm supposed to do it. And so there's this tension. And so it, it, I agree. It is, it is difficult times for whether it's a only one parent is working, whether it's two parents, the age of the kids, so many different dynamics. But no, these times are hard and people need to reach out for help. With, I mean, not I'm not just saying to me, but to anybody. Do not go at this alone. I think we need to see, you know, both sides the same coin. The one side we've mentioned is that uh, there were cracks there before that are exposed. Okay, let's let's go work on those. And then the other side of the equation is, I think, hey, man, life sucks right now for your family. If you can just hang on and you gain 20 more pounds, whatever. <laughs> I know I'm the weird guy to say that. But like, no, no, no. Hey, man, if you, if you got to eat some more cupcakes or smoke some more cigarettes, don't get cancer and don't get obese. Please don't do that. But I, I mean, there's, there's just got to be some coping mechanisms other than yelling at the kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've heard many people talk about how their anger's gone up. And to both kids, to themselves, it's like, you, you got to figure something My out. My anger's <laughs> up right now. I'm angry right, you right now. Fired I'm Let's fired go. up. I'm very angry. I'm Let's very go. angry right now. I'm angry at everything. I am. Seriously. Yeah. I'm so freaking done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Every, everyone is done. But the problem yeah. is I'm not done. No, we're not, <laughs> I'm done. not done. But I'm like for you, it. yeah, but like for you, you know, you're done. And so what are you doing? Like, you're going on a venture. You're, you're good about going out west. You understand that, man, I'm at a breaking point. I've got to go do something, an adventure. And I think for you, you've identified if I go out west, if I go riding or overlanding, that gets me, you know, not only back to God, but just stable mentally. And I think many listeners, they need to figure out what is their outlet. Is it going for a run? I mean, is it going out west? Is it whatever it is? But a lot of people don't have even that outlet. And that's the sad part because, you know, Netflix isn't going to do it. Yeah, there's a really interesting book that I read years ago, um, Innovator's Dilemma. Have you ever read it? Yes. I mean, it's, it's gosh, it might be 20 years old or whatever it is. The, the basic gist of the book is that to grow in business, to thrive, to succeed, you must be constantly growing your business. You must be taking new frontiers. And that always, that generally means you have to innovate. You have to try new things. Um, and the problem is when you're innovating or starting separate 
companies or, or rather separate departments and different initiatives, you only you have the same resource you had before. You have the same people who are working for you. You have the same budget. And so how do you shift all that resources, all those resources away from what's paying the bills, what's, what's paying people's salaries over to this new thing that's going to experiment and is maybe never going to pay the bills. One, one day it may, it may take off. How, how do you transfer those, those assets? And that's, that's the gist of the book. It's the, it's the innovator's dilemma. I have to innovate, but how do I possibly innovate when I've got my day-to-day trains that have got to run on time? Well, I think that's part of what's going on with your book here, Corey. We can say, well, it's the innovator's dilemma. I got to win at home first. Okay. Okay, I got to win at home first. I, I, I believe that. But how in the world do I do that when my job is a meat grinder right now, when I got to get up at 7 a.m. to, you know, catch the subway or whatever I got to do to get, how do I, well, guess what? <laughs> We've just had all of that taken away from us. You know, we, we have a more flexible work schedule than we ever had before. I just wonder with the win home at first, if we could all see, I've got some more space. I don't, I don't think I do. I know we're all stressed, but I think most people do actually, if we're honest with with ourselves, can look at our calendar and say, no, I actually do have more latitude in how I structure my day and my week. Maybe I can innovate at home right now. Maybe I can take some chances of things to do with the kids I wouldn't normally do. Maybe I can experiment with some different date nights. That's my sermon. What do you say? I completely agree. And innovator's dilemma, that whole idea is not, hey, just wait till everything's ready, you know, build up the money to invest in all the capital that you need for this new endeavor and wait until you get the, all the team in place. No, it's a little bit at a time. And same thing with win at home first is don't wait till you get the perfect week that says, oh, I can now go on a date night. I can do all my kids. Now I'm ready to go. No, just grab a little bit at a time. And that's, and I think for anyone listening, whatever you're feeling the biggest weakness, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your kids, maybe it's physical activity, maybe it's some buddies, whatever it is, lean into that and get some movement on just that one area. Let's not try to do it all at first because if we overswing, we're going to get frustrated. We're going to say, you know, screw this. I'm going back to working. But instead, let's just get a, one, a win in each of these areas and this, you know, try to build. And it'll be a snowball effect that hopefully in, in a year we're talking, it's like, man, I made a difference. I'm glad I was intentional from what I heard in that podcast, and I'm now living a different life. But so many of these podcasts, it's just, it's it's information as listeners, but if there's no implementation, there will never be the transformation. So let's start implementing a piece here and there. That's good. So we got to try in the innovator's dilemma, not plan things. We've got to try things. So everybody should be getting home from this podcast and trying something new with their family. All right, Corey, are you ready for the lightning round? Yes, I am. Let's go. Okay, you're going to give us quick hitter answers. And here's the thing. Now that you're a coach, now that you're a life coach, I'm going to throw you out scenarios of what some of our listeners might be like, and you're just going to coach them. All right, let's go. All right, here we go. Single and starting my first job. I'd work hard. You work hard and still find time for some friends. And that adventure and have fun. Like, don't don't work, you know, let's just say you're in your mid-20s and this is happening to you. Um, just don't go crazy working so hard. You get to 30 and you're by yourself. Like, you have no friends to spend time with. You've put on all this corporate weight. So, instead, tr- try to do both. Yeah, and not to maybe redefine the home at first, but 
you know, we could maybe also say win with your relationships first. A lot of younger single folks have got that right. They're, they're valuing friendships more. And, um, and I think that's a good thing that the, those in the older generation can learn from. Yep, absolutely. All right, here we go. Newlywed, both spouses working. Go on dates. And the reason I say that is part of my story was we weren't doing a lot of dates. We did a lot of double dates. And double dates are not dates. So just because you're double dating or you're having house parties, you're going to house parties, you've got you know two people working, you're the dinks, right? Double income, no kids. Don't lose sight of spending time with just each other. All right, I got it. All right, I got it. So sometimes I got to disagree with somebody. And this yeah. is this is even the lightning round. This is the lightning round. So I shouldn't be having clarifying questions, but I am anyway. Double dates don't count, really. If if that's the only date. Oh, if that's the if that's the only. If that's date. the only way to date is yeah. Double dates are great. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. So that's clarified. Double dates are great, but if that if you are never going on one on one dates. Right and it's always double dates, you're going to start missing out. Amen to that. All right, I'm with you. I I also have counseled folks, sometimes when people are in a really crap marriage-wise, I believe they should only do double dates for a bit Mm -hmm. because they they need buffers to keep them nice to each other. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. Okay, so that's that's a good clever. We have to have that one-on-one time. All right, here we go. All right, first kid on the way, moving into a one-income family, and I'm the breadwinner. Well, get rid of the identity of you're the breadwinner and that, that is your, that's your role and that identity piece because it becomes a, it's kind of a give and take. And, you know, it's understanding, hey, we're both contributing to the family in these unique ways and that's what's going to make us stronger. But to actually have that identity of breadwinner, I mean, I've fallen in that trap before, but that, that's a big piece is, hey, that's just, you know, that's a role in the family. Don't, don't get too carried away with that identity. Three kids at home, all in school, still one income family. That's my scenario. I mean, that's exactly who I am. It's I'm, I, I am the, the provider for the home. We have three kids and my wife supports my, you know, our business as well as with, with the kids. So that is us. And so it's a lot of what we talked about. It's, I am busy with work. If I'm not careful, I could totally lose track of time because I'm trying to grow my business, but I've got to be intentional with my family, getting the date nights and, and being with the kids. Kids moving toward college. It's interesting, this question, this time. I've got clients who are becoming empty nesters, and it is, it's sad because they don't have a relationship. So if you are those parents and you have kids that are getting ready to go to college, spend some time together. Because if all of your hope and joy is in your kids and your kids' activities and watching them do things, but there's no connection, when those kids go to college, it's just you two in the house staring at each other like, I wish we had a relationship. Yeah, and we're all stunned when... When someone gets a divorce when they're, you know, 50, and it's not because they're 50, it's just what you said. It's because kids were out of the house, and that was their the only thing they had in common. They hadn't developed anything. Sad thing. Empty nester with adult kids. That's a one-word answer. Hallelujah. That's the answer. <laughs> Holla freaking luyah. That is my life. It's amazing. Go ahead. What do you say to that, Corey? In all seriousness, I, I, I watch a lot of what you do with the, with the adventures and having fun, having those older kids. I'm watching my parents as they are having vacations. They're organizing vacations to pull us together. So I think that's part of it is enjoy your date time, but do what you can to pull the kids together and, and have that fun family time. Overcoming infidelity. That is a obviously a, a big topic for sure. You know, I mean, it is getting counseling and for both individuals, not only the, the one that, that 
you know, committed the affair, but the one that basically had, you know, the affair was committed on is how are they doing both on the forgiveness of themselves? Some, some of people can't forgive themselves. That was a big thing I had for a long time is I couldn't even forgive myself for having an affair. Like, well, I'll never be a good father. I will never be a good husband. I'll never be a good uh, child of God. And so I had all this head trash that I was wrestling with because of that. And then, unfortunately for Holly, I know she had a bunch of junk that she had to mess with, her value, her worth. And so if there has been infidelity happening, both parties have their own issues through the whole deal. And if we did not have the different counseling and really pointed really to, to Jesus and the restoration of that, then we would not be talking about you know, having our you know, 21 year anniversary this summer. And, and I assume you've told your kids or else they're hearing about it on the podcast for the first time. Oh, that's an amazing story. Yeah, tell and us. Go, we'll go outside lightning round bounds. Go ahead, tell us that story. Yeah, so when I wrote Went Home First, the introduction, I had a very cool client story. And I submitted it to the writing coach. He read it. And then in the next paragraphs in the book, it talks about, oh, we've all had our mistakes and we've done things such as my affair, comma, you know, this and that, comma. He said, no, if anyone's going to believe you in your book, you're going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to be true. It's like, oh my gosh. Like we've talked about my affair across a couple coffee tables, but it's never been broadcasted. I just kind of was thinking about praying about it. And, and there's a part of my story that where God says, hey, you need to hand over your story for a greater story. That was actually the night when I came cleaning my affair. That was what I heard from God. Um, and so I wrote up the introduction and I took it up to Holly and I said, hey, babe, kind of what do you think? Are you ready to share this? And we talked about it and she said, you know, let's, let's go for it. Um, obviously, there's much more discussions than just that, but we knew it. And then what we knew was if it became the introduction, we would want all of our kids to obviously read the book and know our story and they'd be on podcasts. They would hear all those things. So we have told all of our kids and their age-appropriate language to hear it. But I also told, we told them for a lot of different reasons. One is you need to know our story, like who we are, our ups and downs. We also want you to know marriage is hard. So when you have the fights with your spouse, don't give up. Don't go do something stupid. You know, my oldest, Kylie, she's a lot like me. She's approval-driven and... I don't want her to fall in the same trap. If her spouse can't meet her needs, she's going to go find another man to do that. So I, that's how we're talking with her about it. It's about approval. And how the kids respond. So the particular weekend that Kylie first found out about it, Holly and I made this agreement that we were going to tell her together. She was going off to a mother-daughter retreat, and she just said she felt this, on the drive up, she felt this prompting to tell Kylie there. So she went against our word of telling her together, but I'm all for how she did it and why she did it that way. But she had this prompting to say, I want to tell Kylie about this before we go into the spiritual weekend. And yeah. so she told her and Kylie, she cried. She got mad. She wrote me a letter and it had all these ups and downs emotionally. So when they got back to home and all five of us are in our family room and we're kind of doing the, I, I know what transpired because there was a text exchange between Holly and I about, mm-hmm. I've told Kylie, do not send anything out to her. She's processing. And I'm at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got basically 24 hours from I hear that to when they get home. But anyways, I walk by Kylie and she says, will you come to my room? 
like I was the kid. And so I go up to a room and I mean, I'm, I'm starting to, starting to tear up already. But, um, so as I'm talking to her, she, um, she said, I thought you were different. I was so mad at you. You know, I thought you were different. I thought you were, you know, you're a good guy. I said, but babe, I'm not perfect. You know, only Jesus is perfect. And it's part of my story that I want you to see that. And I want you to know that I'm not perfect. Your husband's not gonna be perfect. And babe, you're not perfect either. But it's through this restoration, you get to see our story where it came, like our marriages together and all this. And she wrote, she knew she wouldn't be able to talk to me. So she had a letter. She wrote this letter and she read it to me. And so uh, it was an amazing day. It was an emotional day. And uh, that's how she found out. Wow. And then the other kids did find out at different levels. Then now, you know, they've, they all have, you know, read different parts of the book. They've heard podcasts. So now it's, it's, but it's still a topic. I mean, it's not brushed under the carpet meaning. I mean, we, we will talk about those pieces for sure, but it was, well, thanks. Corey, I think you brought us some serious, some serious good stuff here today. Really do. And I I know a lot of this stuff is in your book. So we'll, we'll actually make people buy your book. How can people buy your book? How can they follow you? Just uh, give us an advertisement for yourself. Oh, man. Well, thanks. And thanks for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm a big fan, and so it means a lot. Hmm. Went Home First is available on Amazon, on Audible. I actually uh, did the audiobook, which was super fun to get to do that. I did, too. All my books, I've read it myself. I don't understand these authors who just let somebody else do it. It makes it so much more personal and fun. I actually add to my book when it's on audiobook. Did you do the same thing? Yeah, I, I, I don't think I did do it. Um, yeah, I, I did not do that. That's fun. I'm, I'll try that. Yeah. Maybe on book number two, I'll do I that. Did, yeah. But people that know me, just in probably your exact scenario, is they liked hearing me read it because my my voice changed. It. Different inflection points changed. And so that was super fun. So went home first, Amazon, Audible, a podcast as well, went home first, talking about helping just learn from leaders, how they're winning at home. And so that's been a fun new project. And then on social media, it's at Carlson Corey. And then my own website is CoreyMCarlson.com. At Carlson Corey. Yes. Well, Corey, this has been fantastic. Is there any final shot of anything you want to give us? Like you wish you would have said this and you didn't say that? This is your chance. This is my forever, chance. Or forever hold your peace. If anyone's listening and has any guilt about anything that they've heard, um, I would don't hold that break. I mean, break those chains and start just making movement. It's not too late to work on restoring your marriage. It's not too late to work on your kids. Even if your thought is my kids are out of the house, it's not too late. It is not too late to, to make that connection with your spouse, with your kids, and start winning at home first. Corey, you're a good man and increasingly good friend, and it's been an honor to have you here today on The Aggressive Life. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the Music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tomes, a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.